It's time for the quiet part. Aw, oh, dang. Hold on. It's time for the quiet part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to the quiet part. Number one, I want to apologize for the audio in the last episode. I know it wasn't the greatest. I know that there was some stuff. Some of the audio was popping when I recorded it. I think I got it figured out. With something to do with my cable. Um, I will be trying to pick up some mic stands so I, I do the cool podcast thing where they like can swivel the thing and whatnot. I tried. I had one, but it doesn't go downwards. So, number two, I also apologize. My allergies are starting to kick up. So if my allergies start doing allergy stuff, I do apologize for that. Um, but I'm excited for this episode. Uh, thirdly, I found out, I talked to my dad today, and I found out my pops watches these episodes every Tuesday when they drop. So pops, thank you, man. Love you. Love you so much. Um, I'm so excited for this episode because this, this right here, this right here, this right here, is the crux of what the quiet part is going to be about. This right here. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I am so, so excited. Um, I was at prayer. I was at prayer on Saturday, um, and I was a little bit sad because I hadn't set up a guest. But I think this is the other part. I know I've talked about having guests on here a lot, and I haven't had guests. But I am reaching out to people to see if they want to be on, and people have been responding really well. So we will have guests. But what I think God is doing right now is that he's establishing me as the host saying the quiet parts out loud so that when people come in they don't have to do something i haven't done already right i was saying this on tiktok i had a tiktok about this where i said uh that god doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already taken on himself right and the example that i gave was of abraham right he asked abraham to go and sacrifice his son um, as a burnt offering to God, right? And that's not something God wasn't going to do himself, right? He sent down his only son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that forever believed. He sacrificed his only son for us, right? And he asked Abraham to do the same. And Abraham's willingness to do the same meant that God could pour out blessings onto him, right? So that's what I'm saying. I think right now what God is doing with this podcast is that he's establishing me to do stuff and talk about stuff the way I would want guests to talk about stuff because I can't facilitate something that I haven't been able to sacrifice myself, right? When, it, when, um, when God talks about discipleship, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. You watch how he walked with the disciples. The disciples watched Jesus live life out loud. They were with Jesus everywhere. They followed Jesus everywhere he go. How he slept, how he prayed, how he worshiped, how he ate food, how he drank wine, how whatever it was. Like he, they watched Jesus do it, and so they could model their life after Jesus. So I think when the guest comes on here, it's not to say that the guests are coming on here to be discipled by me, but it is to say that the guests are going to come on here and not be expected to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. And not only are that they don't have to expect to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself, they'll have evidence of the fact that I would have done it myself. So I think that's what's going on. 
at least with with God and based on my prayers and what I'm sensing and timelines of things and stuff like that. This is the fourth episode, which means this we've done a month of the quiet part. Isn't that dope? Isn't that dope? It's been a month. It's been a month. And I'm super hyped. I'm super hyped. So excited um, for what God is going to do through this podcast. Um, yeah. It's been fun, man. This has been fun. Let me get let me get a drink and then we'll get right into it, all right? My nose is itchy. My nose is itchy. But anyways, look, I'm going to start off by saying something I probably shouldn't say as a Christian podcaster. I'm probably going to say something that will get me in trouble with a lot of Christians. But um, before I say it, I'm going to give you the context. I am 27 years old. Um, I am a single man. Uh, I love Jesus more than anything. I go to church every Sunday. I serve every Sunday. I want nothing more to see God's kingdom come here on earth. I'm in my word. I studied uh, the scripture as best I can. And I really feel like there's a call in my life to, to preach and teach the gospel going forward. And I want to live my life as a life of integrity, as a life of vulnerability. And I want to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. Now, with all that being said, I really miss having sex. I'm not supposed to say that, but that's the reality of the situation. I miss having sex. When I was, how old was I? It was 2018, so it was five years ago. So when I was 22, when I was 22, I lost my virginity to my first girlfriend. And I told her going into that relationship, I wanted to wait till marriage and then put myself in every position possible to make sure that didn't happen. Uh, I was in her room alone with nobody home. I would be making out with her and taking off my clothes and taking off her clothes and telling her I don't want to have sex. Um, I did everything in my power to make sure that I was tempted beyond what I could bear. Um, now, that wasn't God. That was all me. I, I wanted to wait for marriage, but I also wanted to have sex. And the desire of the flesh beat up the desire of the spirit. So, yeah. When I was 22 years old, I lost my virginity to my first girlfriend, and we had sex almost all the way through that relationship for that like entire year we were having sex, um, and I haven't had sex with anybody since, uh, and I, I, I miss having sex. I, okay, this is what I'm saying. Like I know I'm supposed to come on here and tell you that, oh my gosh, when I was having sex, I was trying to you know, fill the void in my heart because I just craved intimacy. I didn't feel none of that. Didn't feel none of that. Sex was great. I enjoyed sex. Sex was so much fun. I understand why people move the way they move for sex. It's, there is, there's no feeling like having good sex. And the sex was good. I enjoyed sex. Now, to be fair, I don't have nothing to compare it to, right? But from what I, what I felt, it felt great. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that, right? I'm, I'm supposed to come on here and tell you that I had sex outside of marriage and, you know, it, it just left me feeling empty and disgusted. And nope. When I had sex, it left me wanting to have more sex. Did I understand the spirit behind the thing and what I was activating in the spirit realm? Nope. I knew that I felt good and so did my dick. Am I allowed to say that? Is that a cuss word? 
I don't know, but I said it anyway. I said the quiet part out loud. So I miss sex. I miss having it. Sex was a lot of fun. Now, since that relationship, I have not had sex. Why? Because the Bible says that sex is only for a man and a woman in covenant, which is marriage. And I want to honor what my God says over what I feel. That does not take away from the fact that when I get horny, I want to have sex. I really, really miss having sex. Not really. Like, it's not like a, I don't, okay, let me, let me make it clear. I'm not struggling every day not to have sex, right? I don't hit up people to come to this apartment and come make it do what it do. I don't do that. But I do miss having sex. Sex was fun. Sex was great. And I want people to understand something. This is why I started the, the, the podcast this way. It's because when I was at prayer on Saturday, I was praying. And I was praying about what I should talk about here today. Because I didn't have a theme. I never come in here with a theme before until God gives me one. And he always does. And he said on this episode, talk about your time away from the house. But as you talk about it, talk about it. Oh, what did he say? My bad. So, listen, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I be having trouble reading sometimes. I be struggling sometimes. I be re- when I read in my head, it be, when I be reading out loud, I be struggling. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit slow. Y'all going to think I'm a little slow when I read. But anyways, this is what I wrote down. On this episode, talk about the time away from the house. But talk about it as if you were in it from the revelation that you're out of it. You enjoyed the sex. You enjoyed the weed. You enjoyed the drunk nights. You actually live for those. You don't regret them because of the actions themselves. You don't regret how you felt, but you regret being outside what God had for you. You grieve God, but that's what's regrettable. We're going to talk about the actual power in a testimony. The actual power in a testimony is not the fact that you came out of it on the other side. It's that that God's grace pulled you out of it, right? But... When we're speaking our testimony as Christians sometimes, what we can do is put Jesus glitter all over it. We say, oh my gosh, yeah. Like you you talk about your testimony as if while you were there, you had the revelation that you do now. But you didn't. Because if you had the revelation, you would have been different. If you knew better, you would have done better. You knew better, you do better. Right? So, I don't have shame in my testimony no more. And I think as Christians, we need to take the shame out of our testimony. So this is what this is. I'm going to help free a bunch of people from feeling guilty about feeling not guilty. It's crazy. You, a lot of people are walking around in the church feeling guilty that they don't feel the same guilt that other people do. Whole time, those people are trying to prove that they feel guilty for what they did. I don't. I don't feel guilty no more because I actually have the revelation of forgiveness. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all stuff for free, right? If you've watched episode two, I, I kind of laid out my testimony. and A lot of my testimony revolved around uh, my drinking and, and the alcohol. I started drinking in grade 12. I used to uh, take liquor bottles and hide them under my bed. My parents knew the whole time they were going on because, unfortunately, when you have prophetic parents, they can see stuff. Uh, and God gives them eyes to see. So I can't hide nothing from my parents. They didn't tell me that I knew, but they knew. But I was hiding liquor bottles under my bed, and I would go out, 
two of my friends' cribs and then drink it and then come home and try to act like I was sober the whole time I was drunk. There was a couple of times I had drunk conversations with my parents. Um, and I can tell you that I was feeling depressed during some of that time period. I could tell you that. But when I was drunk, I had so much fun. I had so much fun when I was drunk. I used to get up and go to the club and, you know, catch a bubble on somebody's daughter. Apparently when I say that, that I'm not supposed to say that, but that's what happened. I would go in the club and I would scout out and I'd look for Nyash. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be saying none of this, but we going to. We, yeah, we getting uncomfortable today. I would scout for some Nyash that I liked and I'd make sure that I wind my little waist on it. And I had fun. When the bodies was like, uh, 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 uh. I used to have this one friend, me and her, we were like the auntie and uncle of the group, right? So me being uncle and her being auntie, her friend group and my friends groups, we would link up, right? And whenever work by Rihanna came on or One Dance by Drake or Wild Thoughts or what was the other one? Controller. One of those four, we'd actually look for each other in the club because we knew only us two could handle the type of wine that we're about to throw at each other, right? That type of, like that's, that's what I was on. You know what I mean? The club days were fun. I enjoyed it. Because here's the thing, though. I enjoyed the dancing. I enjoyed the fun. I enjoyed the let loose. And the funny part about the club that I, that I had that, that was funny was that everybody in the club was actually unified under the same spirit. We were all drunk. We were all high. And we were all looking for escape. That was the spirit in the room. And because we were all unified by that same spirit, we were able to, to do what we did. Everybody was having fun. You have fun on drunk nights. And I wish us as leaders and us who are preaching and teaching would take the shame out of our testimony. We would stop pretending that the feelings that we experience during the testimony didn't happen. I wish, I wish we would stop doing that because that would free a lot of people, especially young people. All my young adults, y'all tell me if, you, if this sounds familiar for you, right? <laughs> There's a, there's a guy who comes and he shares his testimony about how he used to be drunk or how he used to sell weed or whatever else. But he says something like, man, when I was out there, I was just depressed. I was anxious. I was, you know, and, and for you, you try to imagine feeling that way, right? He's giving you the facts, but the feelings kind of was different because when I was out in the world and when I was out doing stuff outside of what I knew God had for me, when I was doing all that, I didn't feel those feelings. That's the whole reason I was out there. I was trying to run from what I felt. I didn't feel like a man. I didn't feel like the person God had called me to be. I didn't feel like the man God had called me to be. So how did I escape that? By being in the world. And I had fun out there. I had a lot of fun out there. Let me tell y'all about, let me tell you about something, all right? Let me tell y'all some stories. My, which birthday was it? I think it was my 24th birthday. I flew back from Toronto back to here. And my homeboy was hosting club nights at that time. So when he was hosting club nights, right? When he was hosting club nights, I used to hit him up and be like, yo, how many people can I get on guest list? He's like, man, just say my name at the door. You good, bet. So that night, on my birthday, I told everybody, yo, just meet me at this spot, and we're going to turn up for the night, right? And when I went, I 
you know, I went to my homie's crib. We was drinking wine and taking shots. And I got so drunk before I even got in the club. I got to the club. I told my homeboys. At this point in my life, I hadn't smoked weed before. So I told my homeboys, look, don't worry. Like, we're going to smoke up. This night, I'm letting loose and wild and da 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 all that stuff. And then, you know, I went in the club. I took some more shots. I was hanging out with the DJ because I knew the DJ at the time. My homeboy was running around like he was pock, um, just enjoying himself, right? I took a couple more shots. I went outside, and then I went for a walk. I smoked weed with somebody. Don't remember who it was. Smoked weed with somebody. Came back in. Don't remember most of the night. Think I think I made out with somebody that night. Like it was like that was the type of night that I had. Did I wake up the next day and think to myself, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is crazy. My life is, my life is nope. I woke up the next day and hit up the girl that I made out with and said, oh, Yeah, we don't we don't gotta talk about that no more. She said, Yeah, 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 for sure. We don't we don't gotta talk about that. And I said, Cool, bet. That's it. The feelings that I had when I was outside the house, when I was outside of God's will, when I wasn't doing what God called me to, were not feelings of regret or depression or anxiety. I had fun. I enjoyed myself. I got a taste of what Satan was offering. See, now see now that seems extreme. Why am I talking about having fun where Satan was offering? Because Satan didn't offer everything bad. There's just always a cost that comes with it. The cost for me having sex with somebody who was not my wife is the fact that now I have to work and I had to do some deep digging to detach a soul tie. When I have sex with my wife in the future, I cannot say I walked into this covenant as pure as I could be. I will have to fight sometimes because there's an imprint image of what it was like having sex with somebody who wasn't my wife. Somebody other than my wife knows me sexually. That's the cost. What's the cost of me drinking? What's the cost of that? The cost of me drinking was the fact that there was moments in life where I wasn't as excellent as I could be and I actually struggled with some memory loss sometimes. I'm actually like I actually can't retain long memory and that's because of how much I drank. I made some regrettable decisions when I was drunk. 90% of the time I was cool though. But that but that time, those those times, those those extreme moments where I did stuff that was super out of character. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Let me say a side note about being drunk, okay? When you're drunk and you want to blame it on the liquor, stop blaming it on the liquor. Right? Let me tell you something. This is revelation that the Lord gave me. Ready? Liquor just brings out what's inside out of you. It's the same thing the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, he brings what he, imbi- he, he planted in you out, right? So because the Holy Spirit deposits joy, deposits love, deposits peace, patience, like because those are the fruits that he deposits in you, when he gets in you and he waters those seeds, those come out of you, right? When you drink the liquor, what's in you comes out. So I made regrettable decisions, but, but that's because the desire of my flesh wanted to do that. I actually wanted to do all the things that I did. I just didn't want the consequences of those things. And that's what the flesh will have you doing. The flesh will have you wanting to do actions void of the consequences. Because let's be real, if we could avoid the consequences for a lot of our actions, we wouldn't do it. God sometimes doesn't give you, like, like a lot of the consequences for sin, the wages of sin is death. 
Let me just put it like that. The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. So when you sin, the wages of that is death. It's not just death of your physical body. You kill something that God had when you sin because you grieve God. That's what, the, that's what the regret is in my testimony. I don't regret having sex. Well, I do regret having sex. I regret having sex. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me try to explain what I mean. I don't regret the actual action of having sex. I regret that I had sex with somebody who wasn't my wife, and I regret that somebody who is not my wife knows me sexually, and I regret the fact that I grieved God. Sex is good, though. God created sex. He actually wants me to have sex. Did you know God wants me to have sex? He just wants me to have it in the, the boundaries in which it was created to have so that it could be pure and it could be glory unto God when I do have sex. I did it my way. Me having sex was taking something that God intended for something and using it for something else, for my selfish gain. I took a gift that God gave me and used it for myself. That's, that's the shame. But I'm not ashamed that I was horny. What? Shoot. We be horny. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble after this episode. But I'm so serious, though. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have shame in the fact that sometimes I want to go out to the club and dance. It was fun. But that's not worth grieving God. And I think sometimes we got to talk about it like that. Sometimes it's not as deep as not wanting to do stuff. Oh, here we go. There go the Holy Spirit. Hold on. Let me pull up the verse. Let me pull up the verse. Let me pull it. Romans 7, 17 and 18, it says, However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin, which is at home in me and has possession of me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right but i cannot perform it for i fail to practice the good deed i desire to do but the evil deeds that i do not desire to do are what i am doing right i don't have shame in the fact that i feel the the urge to do these things because that's what the flesh is designed to do the flesh after the fall is just designed to keep us falling my spirit is willing but my flesh is weak so I take the shame out of my flesh wanting to do stuff. That's what we need to get to as a body of Christ. Take the shame out of wanting to do stuff. Do I want to have sex? Yes. Am I going to have sex before I'm married? No. Why? Because it grieves God and also the consequences for that are not worth it. The cost is not worth the action. When you are led by the spirit, your spirit is constantly putting its flesh under its feet. Your spirit is constantly putting its flesh under its feet. And your spirit might make you have delayed gratification for the sake of God's glory. But you just got to be willing to trust your spirit and feed your spirit, man, more than you feed your flesh. That's what you got to be willing to do. That don't mean that your flesh desires don't exist. Why are we pretending they don't exist? I'm not under spiritual warfare because I'm horny. I'm designed to be horny. God made my dick. Am I allowed to say that? Is that a cuss word? I don't know. We're going to find out later. God made, and God made women that I am attracted to. He, he, you don't think he knows that I'm attracted to somebody? 
Huh? My flesh is designed for instant gratification. My flesh is designed so that when I'm feeling anxious and when I'm feeling depressed, I run to the liquor bottle and I run to the weed. Why? Because those can give me instant gratification. But it doesn't provide healing. And God is more concerned with our wholeness than he is with our relief. Oh, that's something for somebody. God is more concerned with your wholeness than he is with your relief. Your spirit is driving you. Got to find the verse again. John 16. We're going to John 16. 13. John 16. John 16. John 16. I think it's 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak his own message, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. He will honor and glorify me, because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal it to you. The spirit is the guide into all truth. The spirit is the guide into the truth. So the truth of the matter is you, you're anxious. Your flesh will tell you, just smoke some weed. It calms you down. The spirit will tell you, I know the prince of peace. Let me draw you to him. The truth is you need healing. Your flesh says you need relief. Your flesh wants relief so it can continue to keep you bound to darkness. Your flesh is working with the kingdom of darkness to keep you away from glory. That's what it's doing. However, the power in our testimony comes where despite the feelings and in spite of what we want to do, we choose to be followed by the spirit until, until his desires become our desires. It says in his word, delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. That's a double entendre. Because he knows deep down what your heart desires. Your heart desires wholeness. Your, des your heart desires to be whole. Your heart, your heart desires to be complete. So the deep desires of your heart, you say you want a boyfriend, you're looking for unconditional love. You looking for a husband, you looking for somebody who will choose you over anything. You looking for a wife. You want intimacy. You want some money. You want security. That's the desires of the heart that the Lord is concerned about. He's not concerned about these earthly things. Delight in the Lord and I will give you the desires of your heart. It's a double entendre. Because he actually wants to give you the things your heart truly desires. Not the fruit of it that you think will cover that. You want some money because you want to feel more secure. You want to be able to provide for your family. God wants that for you too. But if your security is in money, then you're not very secure. But if your security is in the only thing that will last beyond this lifetime, you're secure for a lifetime. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants that. Not the fleshly desires. The desires of your heart. 
Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. These are just things, man. Money is just a thing. House is just a thing. Car is just a thing. You don't think the God of the universe took that into account when he took into the account the desires of your heart? Just seek first his kingdom, and all else will be added to you. But take out the shame in wanting those things. God, I want to have sex. No, what you want is intimacy. God, I want to get drunk. Nope, what you want is an escape from your feelings. I want to give you healing. Imagine a God so good that even though you're talking about the relief of the thing, he can see what your heart is actually growing for. You're feeling depressed right now, my man? God wants to take that from you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you rest for your soul. He wants to give you the things you actually need. But you cannot know what you actually need if you're not honest with the fact that you want something. You can't, like, vulnerability requires giving the information even though it's not necessary. That's what vulnerability is. That's the power of vulnerability is that nobody can take away information from you that you don't already know about yourself. I know for a fact that sex is an easy pitfall for me. I know that. That's why I talk about it. That's why it's open. James 5.16. Confession brings healing. I'll be open about my desire to have sex and the fact that I'm horny. I'll talk about that on here. I'll talk about it with people. Because as long as there's confession, there's healing. I'm no longer requiring a woman for my intimacy. I got intimate time with God. Side note, this is a complete side note. But does anybody else relate to the fact that sometimes God be speaking a lot in the shower? I have this theory. I think because when we're in the shower, we're naked. That's the purest form of how God made us. So there's nothing impeding on that from him speaking. There's just like a level of no shame in the shower because you're just naked and out there. So I think God speaks more clearly into me in the shower because I'm naked. And naked I came into the world and naked I leave. That's just a different point. Anyways. I, I, we need to take the shame out of the testimony. It says, it says the, I actually had this verse preloaded. I'm seeing a lot of word today. It's a lot of word today. There's some good word today. There's some good word today. Hold on. Here we go. For they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to the life even when faced with death. Right? So look, the power of your testimony requires full honesty in the testimony. I could say the same story two different ways, but one will have power. Because part of what the devil does to make sure that he has a hold on you is make sure that you have shame. What God is doing is removing, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm not condemned by any sin that I, that I make, no mistake I made. And I've made some mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. I make mistakes while I'm filming this stuff. But there is no shame in my testimony. There is no shame. You cannot make me shameful in certain things. Because the honesty and the vulnerability that I live my life with unto God, God can use that. God can do that. Telling God that I want to sin does not change the fact that I have not sinned. 
It actually means that I trust God enough that his love covers the thought of me sinning. God, in my selfish, my selfish, selfish desires, I really, really, really want to hit this girl up right now, have her come to the crib, because I know what's going to go down. You don't think God can handle a prayer like that? You don't think somebody needs to hear you say that as a testimony that somebody who is walking with Christ has that struggle? I'm just saying, if we took the shame out of our testimony, more people would be free. Because willing you know it or not, when you profess your testimony with the shame of what you've been through, you are now binding the shame to the people who's walking through that testimony right now. I want you to imagine for a second, right? There's a kid. Like, let's say you, 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 man, I'm just going to say it for myself. I, like, I imagine me a 27-year-old man going to a youth group one day and speaking talking to kids about like boundaries and and sex and drinking and whatever else. Now I have experience in all those things, but I'm talking to kids who are now trying to figure out who they are and who they are in Christ. And there are kids in there who are struggling with the fact that they want to have sex. They're dealing with same sex attraction. They're dealing with the fact that their homies are all smoking and drinking and they want to go out. They're dealing with the fact that their homie put them on the porn and now they have shame. Like, they're dealing with these things actively. Now, if I come in there talking about, yo, I remember back in the day, you know, my homie, you know, he passed me the blunt. And, you know, I smoked it, but I felt so ashamed when I smoked it. I was like, I was so sad. And I just went to the father and I said, God, I'll never smoke weed again. That kid can't relate to that. He can't relate to that. But if I do tell him, yo, I remember back in the day, my homies used to smoke all the time, and I would just pass it along because, like, it was whatever. But I was always curious about what it was like to be high. So one time we went out, and they passed me the blunt, and I said, man, let me just hit it one time, and I smoked it. And it was crazy. Being high was a crazy experience. But then on the other side of me being high, there was this crash that I felt. felt really sluggish the next day and whatever else. Later on, I find out that the amount of weed that they were smoking was causing long-term memory loss. So what they were doing, that habit that they built, actually was more detrimental to them, even though in the moment it felt really good. One kid could connect, the kid could connect to the second one, not the first one. And maybe the first one was your testimony. But be honest. Be honest. Because the devil will give good it always just comes with the cost. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden, right? He said to Eve, surely you will not die. Devil presented the good. The devil presented the good. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go to this revelation. Hold on, hold on. Remember I wrote this down. I was reading through Genesis 3. I was reading through Genesis 3, and, and this kind of just hit me. Hit me right in the chest. It's it super, super fire, right? So Genesis 3, right? Right. Where is it? Oh gosh, where is it? Right. So if you if you look if you look in Genesis three, right, if you look in Genesis three, um the devil's goal was to separate man from God. He twisted God's words and then lied on his word. But what's interesting is the reason Eve ate the fruit was for more reasons than the devil gave. Eve ate the fruit because it was attractive 
nourishing, and provided all and provided wisdom. All were true, none was for her. The devil sowed seeds that grew into disobedience, and the disobedient fruit is what separated from God. The issue wasn't that Eve ate the fruit and the fruit tasted good. That's not the issue. That fruit probably tasted phenomenal. You know how I know? Because she passed it to Adam. It tasted good. The issue wasn't that she had the knowledge of good and evil. The issue was she was disobedient. That's the sin. The sin was disobedience. The fruit itself was off limits because the knowledge of good and evil would do nothing but bring death. God had a knowledge of good and evil, but he's an eternal being. He's outside of space and time. You see what humans are doing with the knowledge of good and evil? We're using it for evil. It's disobedience. But even if Eve was given a testimony, she can't say, man, I ate that fruit and it just tasted so bad. It's so bad. Oh, gosh, there we go. When you speak a testimony with the instant consequences, you're speaking to flesh. But when you speak a testimony with the delayed, how, how, how do you want to say this, Holy Spirit? This is how revelation comes sometimes. I say the first part, and usually it flows, but you know, I, I get so excited, I get caught. So look, when you speak to instant consequences, you speak to the flesh. But when you speak to actual consequences, the delayed consequences, you're speaking to the spirit. And we got to start talking to people in our testimony, to the people who need to hear it. And that's the spirit, the spirit that's inside of them. People want freedom. People want real talk. People don't like when you pretend that you don't struggle humanly. Your human struggles on this earth is what makes God's glory so much better. You're not void of the struggles just because you have Jesus in you. Matter of fact, the struggles are worse because we know better. We have a knowledge of it now. But people, the people that you are called to witness to, need to know that you struggle the same way you do because they need to know that Jesus is the best option. Here's another thing we need to stop saying is Jesus is the only option. He's not the only option. You could do whatever you want. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only thing that will bring you the thing you're actually looking for. Deep down in the desires of your heart. It doesn't stop at the flesh. It doesn't stop in the natural. It's all spiritual. There's always something working in the spiritual behind it. And God wants to deal with those things. Yesterday, I had a meeting with Elder John, and we were having a meeting about my relationships with women, quote unquote. It wasn't really about that. It was more about me and some of my, some of my struggles. But Elder John said something in the, in something in the mirror that broke me to tears because, because he's such a spirit-led man, he's able to speak directly to what the spirit behind me speaking was. Right, I talked about how I have the struggle of, of feeling misunderstood and feeling misheard. And he spoke directly to that in the context of love quests and things like that. And I felt freedom. I feel like a new man today. I feel so much better. Because there's a weight lifted off when you speak directly to somebody's spirit. There's a weight lifted off when somebody means like, dang, I said this, but you saw me for who I am. There's power in that. 
I said this too. Like Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he he went up to the tree. He was looking for Jesus. Right? And the power in Zacchaeus changing his life was Jesus just looking at him and saying, Yo, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus knew deep down in his soul he wanted to abide with Jesus. So Jesus spoke to that. We as Christians need to start speaking to the spirit behind and not just the natural. There's kids, adults, children, whoever, who are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with. The problem is they can't connect to the feelings that you claim you're feeling while you did that. There were some days I watched porn and felt dirty after. There were some days I watched for them and felt relief after. I was like, ugh, I finally busted a nut. Straight up. But the long-term, the long-term thing that porn did was put imprints in my brain of videos that I've watched that I got to fight. What porn was soothing was my desire to be desired. I wanted somebody to want me. I wanted unconditional love. I wanted intimacy. That's what I was soothing. So when I didn't feel good enough, I could go to porn because porn would always be there for me. That's what I'm speaking to. It wasn't that, you know, after I masturbated, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm disgusting. What am I doing with myself? There were some days that happened. There were some days I was like, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? But that wasn't enough to stop me. I was addicted. The power in it was not in the fact that I felt disgusting right afterwards. It's the long-term benefits that's not worth it. I know stories about married couples who struggle with their, their, with their uh, sex life because of the porn that somebody watched. Somebody's struggling with a porn addiction. They can't even get hard when there's a real human in the room. They can't get wet when there's a real human in the room. That's what we need to speak to. And so we as Christians need to stop putting shame in our testimony. Stop putting shame in the fact that you did that and you enjoyed it. But the consequences weren't worth the enjoyment. I know I'm itching my nose a lot. It's because I'm trying not to sneeze, y'all. There's like We're taking the shame out of the enjoyment. We're taking the shame out of the feelings during it. And we're dealing with the consequences after it. Because if you can't even be real with people, why would people trust you to believe in the God that you claim you believe in? That's why so many non-believers come into the church and feel like they have to be cleaned up. They're trying to, trying to cover up how they feel about it. You know how many kids want to walk into a church? I shouldn't say kids. You know how many people want to walk into a church right now but feel shame about the fact that they want to smoke weed at the same time? Brother, do both. Smoke your weed and come to church. What you will find is that what you think the weed is doing for you, God got for you. God got that peace for you, brother. You don't need the weed for that. I'm telling you. But acting like the desires don't live within us does a disservice to the people who are living in those desires. Acting like the desires do not exist within our human bodies does a disservice to all the people we claim we want to take out of darkness. Be real. Be so real. 
So if anybody watching this is not a believer, if anybody watching this, anybody listening to this is not a believer, I'm going to tell you right now. My name is Adeyemi Taylor-Lewis. I'm 27 years old. I'm a single man. I live for Jesus. I love Jesus. I really want to have sex. I miss some drunk nights that I had, and being high was a lot of fun. None of that is worth it compared to the peace, joy, and love that I'm living in right now. Anybody who used to know me uh, and anybody who watched the IG lives and stuff like that, y'all know how much fun I had when I was drunk. Y'all know. And none of that negates the fact that that's still not worth the peace that I'm living in now. It doesn't take away from the relationship I have with Jesus now. Having a relationship with the person who created me is so much more fruitful than anything else that I've ever had in my life. But guess what? There's still a part of me inside of me that still wishes I could do that stuff because I'm a human being and not because the spirit in me hasn't killed those desires. Those desires will never go away as long as I'm in this earthly body. I just don't have shame about it anymore. I have no shame in the fact that there are some days I wake up and wish I could go out to the bar like I used to. I don't have shame about it anymore. But I I don't want to. I want to, but I don't want to. There is nothing on this earth that is worth grieving my God anymore. Nothing. And that's what keeps me going, is my relationship with God. The firmest foundation. The fact that somebody loved me enough to come down, die on a cross for me, for my salvation, so that I could live in eternal heaven with him. That's what keeps me going. It's not the fact that I don't want to smoke anymore. It's not the fact that I don't want to drink anymore. It's none of that. I don't want to do those things. Because my desire for Jesus is bigger than my desire for anything else. And as my desire for Jesus has grown, my desires for those things has washed away. But some days I wake up and it was so much easier to watch porn than it is to kill my flesh. It's so much easier to hit up the the shorty on Snapchat than it is to live holiness. It's so much easier. I'm not doing this because it's easier. I'm not doing this because it's fun. Shoot, some days on this Christian walk is not fun. But some days in the world aren't fun. You know the days where you wake up and you go to work and you don't feel like you have purpose and you don't feel like you're living your best life and you're trying to find out what the meaning of life is? I don't miss those days. I don't miss the everyday coming home feeling lonely because I didn't have an awareness that the Holy Spirit was right there next to me. I don't miss those days. I don't miss the days when I would come in and I could tell that my relationship with my friends and family wasn't the place that it was supposed to be because of my behavior. I don't miss those days. But sure, I miss a club night every once in a while. They were fun. Shoot. I remember back in the day, I used to imagine being drunk with my wife on my wedding day, drinking wine, taking some shots. I did that at my brother's wedding. We took a shot. We went out there. Did we get drunk? No. But we took a shot. Kind of just, you know, the alcohol kind of just, ugh. I miss that. That was a little fun. There's moments of fun in the world of darkness. But it does not compare to the lifestyle of love, joy, peace that I live now. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. But I don't have shame about it anymore. So my name is Eddie Emmons A. Lewis. And you might think I'm a bad Christian for this. You might think that I'm bad. I'm promoting go out and smoke weed. I'm not saying do none of that. I'm just saying, in Jesus, I found the thing I was actually looking for. I'll tell you what it is. When I watched porn, it was to soothe my desire to be desired. 
It was to soothe the fact that I felt lonely, intimate, like lonely. I felt I wanted intimacy. It, it soothed the fact that I didn't feel good enough. It soothed the fact that I didn't feel insecure about my body. Now I'm walking with a creator who says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm made in his image. I mean, shoot. When I had sex with my girlfriend, it was because I wanted to connect with her. And 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 I wanted to make it feel how it was supposed to feel. I wanted to make her my wife at that point because, you know, I had sex. So if I had sex, that means I have a wife, right? If I have a wife, that means that I'm loved for life, right? Because if we make covenant, that's for life. And that means we're going to be together forever, right? Yeah. But now I'm walking with somebody who will never leave me nor forsake me. Somebody who's with me, whose rod and staff comforts me, comforts me. When I was drinking liquor and I was having fun, man, my heart's desire was just to have a lot of fun with my homeboys. To run away from my problems. At least for tonight, I felt good. And I felt good inside the club. And then I go home and, you know, I got to face my problems the next day. But at least for tonight, I'm good. But now I'm walking with somebody who's so committed to my healing, who could reveal who I actually am, who shows me my purpose in life. So that my Monday through Fiber, no, 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 excuse me, my Monday through Friday is spent working in my purpose. And my Saturdays and Sundays are doing the same thing. I feel complete week round. Those times I smoked weed, it was just to fit in. I never wanted to smoke weed. I don't even like smoking weed like that. Being high was cool, I guess, but I didn't like smoking weed like that. I wanted to fit in. I wanted people to accept me. I wanted acceptance. So I was hanging around people who smoke weed. So to be accepted, I smoke weed too. But now I'm walking with somebody who created me intentionally. I was never made to fit in. He showed me who I am. He gave me my identity. He called me a son. He said, you're my son who with I am well pleased. I'm walking in that now. So now, nah, I don't got no shame about the fact that I used to smoke, that I used to drink, that I wanted to have sex, and I get horny sometimes. I don't got no shame about that. Because the power in my testimony is not in the fact that I felt those feelings. The power in my testimony is in the fact that despite those feelings, I found a bigger purpose. That I found the thing I was actually looking for. And everything I was looking for was Jesus.